Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Give honor to Bishop this morning. He's unable to be with us today. So uh, we will share the word of God. Amen. God's word's always good. Amen. Amen. So let's take uh, our petitions before the Lord and ask God to move in not just this class, but all over our Sunday school classes this morning. Amen. As God's word is being brought forth. There's power in God's word. Amen. But the thing about it is you've got to be able to receive it. You've got to hear. He says, don't just have ears to hear. You've got to really hear this. Amen. So let's go before the Lord right now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your blessings. We're so thankful for the, the word and the power of the word. And we pray, God, that you're going to speak to every heart today in all of our Sunday school classes and all the classes that are going on today. As the word is being presented, let there be hearts to receive ears to hear. God, we love you. We are nothing without your touch or without your word. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll be starting in verse number 11. I'm going to be talking this morning about the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. And we'll get into the definition of bitterness in in just a few minutes. But the key word here is root. You know, we all go through things that come into our lives. But we have to be careful that we don't let there be a root of bitterness. Amen. So if you're at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, say amen. Now, no chastening or correction or discipline for the present time seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereof. Amen. Pretty straightforward, but it's saying, you know, and it's, we don't have the time to read all this, the, whole, the whole chapter and to go over everything, but it's talking about the discipline of God. And he's talking about it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Amen. And that should be all of our ambition to strive to be righteous according to the word of God. And it's it's exercised or it's yielded to them that are exercised by it. In other words, we're, you know, we're in this, we're exercising it daily, we're going through the motions and we're, we're disciplined sometimes by the Lord. Amen. And he said, it's, it's for our benefit. So I, I know we all know that. and We've been there before. But verse 12, it says, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Neither let it be, uh, but let it rather be healed. And so this is saying, if you've got a weakness, of course, there's actually two thoughts here. That I've read in different commentaries, but... Uh, one of them is that you help those that are weak and those that are in need. And when you become exercised in the faith and you're living righteous, you can help those that are feeble. I tend to um, want to lean towards the second aspect of that thought, which is our own feet make our own paths straight. Okay, because sometimes we have a weakness. And if we don't take care of it, we got to take care of those weaknesses or else we can be turned away. Amen. It can make us stumble and make us fall. 
So he says, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. And you may have something which you've been uh, wounded by, but you have to let it be healed. Amen. And God can do that. Verse 14 says, follow peace with all men. Everybody say all. All. All men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So this is something else I think we know, but we need to be reminded of and almost daily that our relationships down here are very, very important, especially when it comes to our relationship horizontally with God. We are here, right, to be a light to the world. We're here to, we are just ambassadors here. So it's very important. I want to remind us today how important we are to one another and how important our relationships are in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. Amen. He said, follow peace with all men. What did he say about your enemies? Pray for your enemies. It's so against our nature, so against what we want to do. But he's saying, I want you to live at peace with all men. Verse 15, this is our key verse for today. Looking diligently, lest any man uh, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled so if we're not careful we can have this bitter spirit and it's not just a bitter spirit but it's talking about the root amen Um, many are defiled thereof lest there be any fornicator which is sexual perversion or profane person that's just an evil person as Esau they use the example of Esau here who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. In other words, he sold out for one moment of excitement or one moment of joy in his life, one moment of sin. He sold out his whole birthright for the single moment of pleasure. And so as we look into this scripture, I just want us to remember that we all have situations in our lives that are bitter. Amen? And I'm tending not just towards uh, circumstances or sometimes the, dis- the disciplining of the Lord. But more important, or not necessarily more important, but for this lesson this morning in our relationships. We've all been offended. We've all been uh, said something to us that has made us um, bitter to a sense. Uh, we've all come across those things. It's very important, though, the key word hit here is the root of bitterness because you can get bitter about something you can pray and get over it right but if you let that thing fester and you let it take root and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself but you know how some people a word is said and they get mad and they leave the church and you know I, I hear it a lot of times you know even from the ushers you know why well, I asked them not to sit there and they got mad and they, they left the church you know or somebody you know, I talked to them, well, somebody said this, or somebody didn't shake my hand. And, but in reality, it's not that one single act that caused them to leave the church. Does that make sense? There's something else. <laughs> I mean, you don't leave the church because the usher says, hey, could you sit back here? We, we were reserving that. I mean, if you leave the church for that, then I, I can't hardly imagine anybody being, doing that. But that was like the final straw. 
incense. But the, the bigger issue was some kind of root or bitterness. And sometimes you run across people that are almost looking for a reason. <laughs> They're looking for a reason. If you're looking for a reason, friend, you're going to find one at the church. Amen. You're going to be offended. Amen. But it's so important that we don't let, let offenses and bitterness take root. Because we're all human beings, right? And I don't, you know, we all, you know, the Bible says we got to have love and compassion for one another. And, but our human nature is like, we don't love and have compassion. You know what I'm saying? We're all about ourselves. It's a constant battle to overcome self. And that's why I'm saying our relationships down here are so important. This is what God is wanting us to accomplish in our Christian walk with him is to love one another. Amen. Is to love one another. To be the neighbor. Amen. And who was the neighbor in the Good Samaritan? The enemy. The one that was the enemy. Amen. He was the neighbor. And so we have to realize that we have to be very careful of our relationships down here. But in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples. In 17.1, he says, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. <laughs> it's going to happen, he says. Offenses which is an occasion to fall, all right? Whether it is an, uh, some kind, something, action in your life, some kind of circumstances surround you, whether it's what somebody said or what somebody didn't do, amen? All these things, he says, it's impossible, but these offenses, which is an occasion to fall, you're going to have an occasion to fall. And I'm looking out across here at the adult class, and I see a lot of mature Christians out here. And you know what I'm talking about. That over the years, you, that's something that we all have to battle. Well, it's probably one of our greatest battles, right? And um, the, what they said, the church would be a great place if it wasn't for the people, right? So uh, you can't have both, amen? So the church is still a great place, amen, even with the people. Praise God. Psalms 119 and verse 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, amen, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall cause them to fall, amen. When you love the word, that's why it's so important. And I'm preaching to the choir here that's here for Bible study on Sunday morning, right? But the Word of God, folks, when you get the Word of God in you and you have the love of God, hallelujah, when we love the law and we're just following after God's law, it's hard to be offended. Amen? Nothing, it says, shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. And we all get offended, though. But it's when we have to get back. That's the flesh rising up. you got to get back to the place where you beat that old flesh down and say, hey, I'm just an ambassador here. I'm just moving through this place, <laughs> hallelujah, and I'm going to a city, hallelujah, whose foundations and maker is God, hallelujah. This is not our home, hallelujah, praise God. But along the way, we are that light to the world, amen, even when we don't want to be, amen. So don't let bitterness take a hold of you, is what I'm trying to say. Don't allow it to take a hold of you. And this is an issue. All right, and uh, it says by, thereby many are defiled by there. It's a, it's a contamination. And so a lot of times you don't even realize it. You don't under, even realize what's happening until somebody's not here anymore. 
because it's taken hold of them. It has taken root. Amen? And then they're like, well, where's so-and-so? Well, they got mad and they, they quit coming to the church. And it's like, wow, you know, that just didn't happen overnight, right? We all understand that. All right. So when we look at bitterness and when we define bitterness, it's anger or resentment over being treated unfairly. Anger or resentment over being treated unfairly. Amen. We have to give the example of Jesus Christ who had the greatest reason to be bitter. Because he came unto his own and his own received him not. He was in the world and the world was made by them. But the world did not receive him. Amen. They knew him not. He could have been bitter but he wasn't. He loved. He forgave. And he overcame that bitterness to be able to bring us salvation. Amen. So it's resentment over being treated unfairly. It's defined as a symbolic of, a symbolic of servitude. When you become bitter, it means to capture. When you get bitter, it means you're captured. Amen. It means to gently squeeze. Sometimes we said my blood pressure's boiling. Something squeeze in that blood pressure. <laughs> We've got to get that fire put out, right? If we're not careful, that thing can squeeze and it comes to a head and <laughs> explodes. And then we say something we wish we shouldn't have said, done something we wish we hadn't have done. Amen. But bitterness is symbolic of being a servant to that thing. You're being held captive by it. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. I've come to give you deliverance, to set the captive free, the Bible says. He wants to set us free. Hallelujah. From all of these things, Adam Clark commentary refers to it in one point as a poison plant. And the part where it says, least a root of bitterness trouble you refers to the effect of the poison on the body. Once that poison gets in you, it begins to trouble you. It infects the body. It infects the blood. It contaminates the blood. And we all know that life is in the blood. Amen? Peter, remember when he was preaching in that, well, some sorcerer or whatever, Simon was following him around and everything, and he got the Holy Ghost and saw the people getting the Holy Ghost by laying on hands. He asked Peter, give me that gift, you know, I'll give you money for it, and Peter said, thy money perisheth with thee. But he made this statement in Acts chapter 8, verse 23. He said, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Bitterness, and he was bound by this iniquity. And the gall was a poison. It was given as an act of mercy to those that were being crucified. Remember, Matthew 27, 34 this is where they give Jesus some. They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. It was a type of poison to alleviate the pain. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink it. He refused it. Amen. He chose rather to, to suffer the effects, the whole effects of the bitter cup. Remember, let this cup depart from me. He chose to suffer that on the cross. And I'm so glad he did, amen, because he's given us salvation and the power to overcome in this world, amen. doesn't matter what comes our way, praise God. 
So another thing we need to know about bitterness is it's self-induced. Right? It's self-induced. You can't, you can't be bitter. Somebody can't give you bitterness. Right? Well, we'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah, they can in a way. If you're around somebody that's constantly bitter, it can affect a lot of other things. But in reality, you can't brush up against somebody and give them bitterness. It is self-induced. You have to take that offense and you have to begin to dwell on it. Amen. It's self-induced misery and it produces this bond, this bond of iniquity and defilement. So some of the obvious things that we see from it, uh, we see from bitterness are hatred, envy, and strife, right? We, those are obvious things that we see. But some of the things that are not so obvious are fornication. It makes, shows fornication or sexual sins, amen? Giving up one's birthright. In other words, turning from what God has given to us to some instant satis, uh, satisfaction or whatever that word is, in gratification, instant gratification. So we give up something um, long term for something momentary. Those things are not always so obvious. And then revenge. Sometimes revenge even is in the mind. And we, um, that's not always obvious because revenge is something that's plotted. Amen. We think about it. But bitterness is derived from the Greek word that means to drive a peg or to pitch a tent. In other words, you're going you're gonna to sit right here, you're pitching your tent, you're going to drive a peg in the ground, and you're just going to hold on to that thing. Amen? You're going to hold on to it. It's self-induced. You have to determine that in your mind. What we need to do is determine in our mind we're going to pitch our tent with Jesus Christ. Amen? No matter what comes our way, no matter what comes or go, we're going to drive a peg with him. But if we're not careful, we can allow bitterness to become a pitch tent in our life. I was wronged, and you might be justified. You might be actually right. You might have been wronged. And usually bitterness is derived from, sometimes it's not necessarily, it's a perceived wrong sometimes, but sometimes it's actually the wrong thing. All right? And if you ask the two different parties... They'll have two different opinions, right, if there's two parties involved. And so we have to be very careful to not let it take a hold of us to where we're driving a peg in on that, where we're pitching a tent saying, this is what I'm doing. So he sends forth this warning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. He says, look diligently. He uses this word a lot. It's like sends up a red flag. Warning, warning. Warning, amen. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. We fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby be be defiled. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So it's... It's something that we put away from us. It's what we have the ability to do. We put it away. In verse 32, it goes into our central theme this morning. 
And be ye kind one to another. Be kind, tender-hearted. What's that next part? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Amen. James chapter 3, verse 11 says, Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Of course not. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of the vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation of his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, so important in your hearts. Last few times I've been up here, I've been talking about hypocrisy, right? And hypocrisy is that mask that we put on. And we can put on a mask and have a good show on the outside, but inside we can be full of dead man's bones. Everything that Christ has to come forward with or has come forward with in the New Testament He wants this in our hearts. It's not just a formality that we're going through. This is not just a form. We're not putting on a show. That was hypocrisy to put on a show for an audience. The only person we need to try to impress is Almighty God. Amen? Hallelujah. And so he says, don't have bitter ending and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So when you're bitter, it comes out. And it affects your family. It affects those that are around you. It affects church members. Amen. And you have to get it out at the root. Amen. We have this little... I have an oak tree, and right beside it, right at its base is a, I don't know what kind of tree it is, but some little bush that comes up all the time. I'll take a machete out there and whack that thing off at the, at the ground, you know. A few months later, here it comes. It's grown back up again. I'll come back and whack that thing off. you got to get the roots out. And I've even tried to dig around it a little bit and get some of those roots, but I must not have went deep enough because it still comes back. Amen? And so we have to be careful that we don't let these things take root. Because where there is strife, envying, <clears throat> there's confusion in every evil, evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, full of mercy, and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I've struggled with this uh, full of mercy thing with people in their walk with the Lord, you know, and God's had to work me over a little bit on it because I'm like, bless God, get in, get out, or get run over. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, if you don't want to live for God, just move on, go, go, you know. And, um, but we have to be full of mercy. Everybody's not the same. We got to keep loving keep reaching. As long as there's uh, still somebody still coming, there's still hope. Amen. As long as they're still hanging around, there's still that hope. And we've got to realize that 
you know, we're reaching for people for uh, eternity. This is not just some game that we're playing. It's not some country club that we decided that we're going to join. This is, this is reality. Amen. This is the Word of God. This is what it's all about. Hallelujah. So we have to be full of mercy without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Amen. The world is looking for peace. You want peace? The Bible says make peace. If you make peace, you're going to receive peace. If you're a peacemaker, you're going to have that fruit of righteousness in peace. Hallelujah. And there's nothing greater, is there, to be able to lay your head down at night knowing that you're okay with your creator. Hallelujah. That you're all right and everything between you, no matter what happens. Hallelujah. The whole world is struggling with this. Half the world has to take, or half the United States, I would say, has to take pills to go to bed, and then they have to take pills to get up in the morning. There's no peace, turmoil within them. Amen. The Psychiatry Magazine, a May issue of 2009, I know that's quite a while ago, but they had an article on bitterness that said it's so common and so deeply destructive that some psychiatrists are urging it to be identified as a mental illness, post-traumatic embitterment disorder. Most, uh, you know, we're familiar with the post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And they're saying it's a post-traumatic embitterment disorder, amen, because it too is a response to a trauma. I don't want to make light of the action or the word or the circumstance that you went through. I don't want to make light of that, okay? It's sometimes it can be very traumatic. It's trauma. But what I'm saying is, as Christians, hallelujah, we don't have to allow that to take a root within us. We can release that out, hallelujah. We can send back love, and we can send back mercy, and we can send back peace, hallelujah. And when we do... We reap that great fruit of peace in our life. Hallelujah. And that's the greatest thing. He says, I've come to give you peace. Hallelujah. He's the prince of peace. So it's a response to a, a trauma that endures and embitters people and are left seeking revenge. It's a problem. <laughs> we want revenge. Amen. But we also need to remember, I heard this saying in um, I don't know if I have it in the notes later on, but somebody else's unhappiness cannot add to your happiness. Revenge, we think, oh man, if, if they would just have a bad day, that would make me happy. <laughs> well, it may make you happy for the moment, right? But it doesn't bring you happiness in your life. When we hold something in our lives against an individual, it's like us handcuffing a suitcase to us and dragging it everywhere we go. We take it to the store. We take it to uh, work with us. We take it to bed with us. We've got that thing strapped onto our wrist. But when we release it, and the other person, they, they may not even know. But you've got this bitterness that you're dragging around. It's not affecting the other person. And their life 
you may be, think it's a, a good thing that things, bad things are happening to your enemy, but it doesn't affect your happiness. Amen? Because the joy of the Lord, hallelujah, is our strength. So, we have to be very careful because, <clears throat> and remember that it is the root. The root. Everybody say the root. It works beneath the surface. And the problem can go undetected. And how many times have I seen it in people's lives where bitterness in the parents have affected the lives of their children and they really didn't even know it until it was almost too late. And they come and they're help, needing help and don't know what's wrong with the kids but find that it's been from a, a root of bitterness that they had in their life that was portrayed sometimes maybe verbally or in actions alone. But that root, it takes root and it goes out. And you know, if anybody's done a garden before, you know those weeds can overtake a garden real quick. You got to constantly be weeding that stuff out. Amen. The problem can go undetective. And everything can seem normal on the outside. Just like hypocrisy. Amen. And if you don't cut it off, it will destroy. Hallelujah. The offense <clears throat> was not a sin on your part, right? You were offended. It was not a sin on your part. You didn't do the wrong. The other individual did the wrong. But it can be a catalyst of your own sin. Does that make sense? Somebody offends you. You did nothing wrong. But from that moment, what you do with it could turn out to be a sin in your life if you don't cut that thing off. Cut it off at the source. Get rid of it. God's command for forgiveness doesn't have any exceptions. Amen. There's no exceptions to God. He says you have to forgive except unless they did this. Right? It doesn't say that. He just says forgive. Mark chapter 11 verse 25 when you stand praying, forgive. If any, ha any have aught against any, that your Father, which also is heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. This verse is what, how God really dealt with me in all this love and mercy and grace towards other people. I'm kind of a self-centered hermit, can be by myself, all that type of thing. Uh, but, and so it's like, okay, you, you know, you live for God, and if you can't make it, bless God, and, you know, what's your problem, amen, and, and uh, so that's kind of early on in my walk with the Lord, and he really spoke to me through this, you know, and if you offend me, you know, I, I forgive you, but I don't have to have dinner with you, you know what I'm saying, so yeah, move on, but it's in the heart, got to be careful now. Because you can say, I forgive them. But every time you're out with another couple, you say, do you know what they did? I forgive them, but you know what they did? You know, you know what they did? So when you stand praying, forgive. You got, we've got to forgive. He says, that um, for your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. <laughs> God really dealt with me with that. I said, oh God, <laughs> I need forgiveness. You know I do. You, God knows how bad I need his forgiveness in my life. 
Especially when I first came to the Lord. My goodness, I, I didn't even think I could be forgiven for the things that I had done. But God in His mercy, and then you come to truth, and then you still make a mistake, and then you really feel condemnation, right? Oh, I knew to do better, and I, I didn't do right, and the devil, he'll jump right on you. He's the condemner, right? He's the accuser of the brethren, and he'll jump right in there and say, look what you've done, you know. God doesn't love you anymore. I need God's mercy. I need God's forgiveness. Hallelujah. And he says, if I don't forgive others, I'm not going to get forgiveness from him. Getting kind of quiet right now. <laughs> we have to be able to forgive. If you forgive not, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, not until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And he gives the parable. He says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, forgave him his debt. And this is that same thing. We're forgiven of this great debt. And he received this man, for, received forgiveness. But he got up, he went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what thou oughtest. We look at this, we think, wow, he wasn't very, you know, he wasn't very compassionate. We, we look at this and say, that, that's really extreme, right? He had just got forgiveness. He should forgive this other guy. We say that, but then in our hearts, we don't forgive somebody that's maybe offended us. We can't get rid of that bitter pill sometimes that's been dealt to us. Amen? And so he went out, and that guy fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And he would not, but he went out, he wouldn't forgive him, he wouldn't have compassion, threw him in prison, and then it got back to the other guy. Verse 32, then his Lord, after he had called him, said, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant? even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. Verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespassing. Amen. The old saying that um, bitterness is the poison pill, I take hoping you'll die. Amen? It's the poison pill that I take, hoping you'll die. It doesn't work that way. Amen? So we have different causes of bitterness. And like I said, we're, I'm dwelling mostly on our relationships with people. But bitterness can be caused by others. People that we love or are close to. 
sometimes say something or do something. People that we're under authority to sometimes say things that offend us. People that we trust. Most of the time, bitterness is derived from somebody that you're close to, somebody that you trust. You know, if the guy on the street pulls up and says something to offend you uh, in the car next to you, no big deal, right? But if your best, best friend comes by and says something to you, then all of a sudden you get offended by it. You're bitter. Amen? So there's two keys to this to, for us to remember when we're offended by people that we trust and love or people that we're under authority to. Two wrongs never make a right, right? Your parents always told you that. Two wrongs don't make a right. And I already said, that, said this, but you can't build happiness on someone else's unhappiness. Amen? Some people, that's their whole purpose in life is to make somebody else unhappy or miserable. Revenge. How can I get back at them? That doesn't bring happiness into your life. Also, another thing that I find is sometimes people get bitter about is their calling, their, their walk with the Lord, what they're called to do. Sometimes our calling doesn't move as fast or it's not going in the direction that we have expected it to. Amen? We realize that, you know, I don't know if this is the Lord's will or not, you know. Um, my wife was reading me a, um, an account of a home missionary, and I forget his name and even where he was at. But he was talking in there about how he just kept plodding along and just, just wasn't treated. He felt like it was God's will, and God just kept, he kept getting these messages, just stay in the, where you're at. He said for seven years, nobody in his church came to the altar and received the Holy Ghost for seven years. And then finally they had a breakthrough and they're having a great revival right now. But I told my wife, I said, well, he's a better man than me. You know, after seven years, I would have thought, all right, I'm doing the wrong thing here. I'm going to go a different direction. But sometimes we've got to be very careful. And there's a lot of times people get bitter when things aren't moving fast enough or not going in the direction that we think. Look at the example of Joseph and David. Years passed before they actually lived their dream. Date, or Joseph, could he have not become very bitter? <laughs> we don't find anything that he did wrong. You know, David, we find all of his sins and faults and failures. Joseph is like the perfect kid. And it seems like nothing but bad happened to him. Until finally, many, many years later, we understand what happened. And the dream actually came to pass. <clears throat> so the key is to involve yourself in the work of God. You've got to be involved in the work of God. It's not a time to pull back. What happens is people pull back. You get involved in the work of God. And there's really two places of involvement, and that's your calling. And let me just say this about our calling, and everybody has a calling. You know, everybody has a place. Nobody in here should just be doing nothing. Everybody has a calling that God wants them to do. It all happens working together. But you and you only can keep you from God's purposes. Do you believe that? If God's got something for you, nothing can keep you from what God has except yourself. You say, well, they don't use me in that, in that uh, capacity. Nothing can keep you from what God wants you to do except yourself. Amen? 
Amen. That's good preaching right there. And so when we're in tune with God and we're uh, giving ourselves over to the Lord, then what God wants for us in our lives is going to happen. It's going to take place. It doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what happens. God's purpose for you will take place when we keep our eyes on Him and fixed on Him. The other place of involvement is just where you're needed. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes you know exactly where, but you'll be asked to serve in this role or to serve in that role. It's just where you're needed. You have to be willing to serve. Amen. It's a part of service. And the other thing that sometimes brings us um, bitterness is our circumstances. John 16, 33 says, In the world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. Amen. You're going to have it. He said, in the world, you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Circumstances are going to come that are not favorable to you. Amen. We're always looking for the easy road, aren't we? We're always, that's human nature. We want things to be perfect and right. Amen. But don't allow your circumstances to block your view of God. Amen. Sometimes we allow our circumstances to be this great big mountain in front of us that it blocks our view of God. God can move in the midst of any circumstance. Amen. And when we're walking with God, we have to understand that he's in control of all. Amen. Bitterness is the product of being preoccupied with yourself and life's problems. Bottom, bottom line, in our circumstances, you can't allow them just to occupy all of your thoughts, occupy all your time. Amen. That's why and we encourage everybody, when you come into the house of the Lord, worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Just like they did with Joshua and Jericho. They shouted. They didn't have to raise any arms. They didn't have to use their swords or nothing. But the walls of Jericho fell down through worship. Hallelujah. And that's why we encourage people to come in. And you just continue to worship God. Continue to praise God. Amen. Continue to set your sights on the Lord. And uh, as the Bible says, this too shall pass. Amen. This circumstance shall pass. And as we look back over our lives, we understand, don't we? That most of the circumstances that were in our way were there to give us strength, to help us to grow, to change us as individuals. Amen. Too much is our, of our prayers, us trying to get God to change his mind. When it needs to be, our prayer should be asking God to help us to change our mind. Amen. We always want God to do something for us. We need to just pray, God, what are you trying to teach me here? <laughs> and I can remember going through a, a heavy trial for years and years. And I just said, Lord, I must be a really slow learner because I'm just not ga grasping hold of what you're trying to teach me here. And, but God is so good. He will give you victories and miracles and reassurance through the word. Like I said, you come in and you don't have that mountain of circumstances in front of you. And you sit there, hear the preaching of the word. I guarantee you God will speak to you in your dilemma. Amen. Amen. That's the power of God's word. Amen. So we need to repent and press on. The first three verses of Hebrews 12 says, Seeing therefore we are compassed about 
with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. For consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Amen. So like I said, we got to look to Jesus. He endured the cross. That was his calling. He despised the shame, the cross, the circumstances that he said, God, let this cup pass from me, you know. And that was his circumstance. And he endured the contradiction of others. Amen. He said, least you be weary and faint in your mind. All the ways of the man of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirit. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. You can overcome. You can overcome bitterness. You can overcome betrayal. You can overcome all these things that get into our mind, start taking root. Amen. When we commit ourselves, it's not time to draw back. It's time to commit yourself to God's work. And he says, when you're committed to my work, your thoughts are going to be established. True submission is obedience even when we disagree. That's the hard part, right? Even when we disagree, we have to obey. We have to ask God to help us. Amen? He said, look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. We don't want to fail of God's grace. Grace allows us to see others as God does. It allows others to make mistakes without judging. The grace of God allows you to not be easily offended. Amen? Praise God. Cut off that root. Cut off that bitterness at the root. Dig it up. Get it out of there. Amen. Before it has time to take hold. Praise God. God bless you. Let's all stand. Amen. As we start our morning worship service, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings and for your word this morning. We bind any resentment, any bitterness, anything like that that would be in the house of God. Help us, O oh God, to rise above and understand that your mercies and grace towards us are what we need to show to this world. God, we love you, we believe in you, and we pray that you're going to move in a mighty way in our morning worship service. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen.